0: Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, we thank you so much for our salvation in Christ Jesus. As we think about the, the many blessings, the many, many things that you have done for us at the cross of Calvary, You have restored us, rescued us, redeemed us, reconciled us, forgiven us, granted us family status in the family of God, brought us together in the one household of God called the church, where people of every tongue and tribe and race can gather together in peace and harmony and proclaim the greatness of our one God who loves us with everlasting love in Christ Jesus. I pray this morning, O God, that you would, by the power of your Spirit, through speaking to us in your word, Bring our attention back to the centrality of the cross of Jesus Christ, that we might rejoice in what you have given to us. I pray, O oh God, that you might strengthen us with the truth. Your word is truth. And may our hearts and our lives be enriched today again as we rehearse the great things that are true of our salvation in Jesus Christ. I pray in his name. Amen. Well, do you think I would be overstating the case if I were to say this morning that our world is in a mess? Is it not? Uh, This week alone, just this week alone... Spain and Finland and Iraq and Syria United States People will not get along races there will be no racial reconciliation by parading and shouting at each other There will be no fixes by pulling down monuments In fact, monuments are reminders of what is good and what is bad, lest we forget. But I'm not really talking to you about politics today or current events. I want to talk to you about a a more serious matter because if we don't get this right, We won't get anything right. We are, as believers in Jesus Christ, the only answer to the world and its problems. What distresses me and the topic that we're going to talk about today is the work of bringing down the ultimate monument, the cross of Jesus Christ. Would it shock you to know that there are forces within our own belief system, within our own evangelical system, that are seeking to bring down the truth of the cross of Jesus Christ? And before you ask me, where is this picture taken from? It's the clever photoshopping of our media department. It's a metaphor. In case you think I'm making things up this morning, I want to share with you some f- familiar or not so f- familiar Names of people within our own movement who are taking shots at the cross of Jesus Christ and the truth about our salvation I want to talk to you today about what exactly happened at the cross the truth of the matter is that if you don't understand the cross you can't understand Christianity If you don't get the cross right if you start to tamper with the cross if you start to play around with the cross you can't understand Christianity I want us to beware of the revisionist war against the bloody cross of Jesus Christ where our sins were forgiven Our hearts were changed. Our relationship was restored with God the Father. There are a number of notable people within our movement. I'm not talking about uh, Muslims pulling down the truth of the cross. I'm not talking about Buddhists pulling down the truth of the cross. I'm not talking about Hindus pulling down the truth of the cross. I'm talking this morning about evangelicals pulling down the truth of the cross and if we're not careful and if we don't know the truth if if we do not understand the nature of what many of us say that's complicated theology I I I don't want to spend a lot of time there I I thought it was absolutely necessary that we pulled into this series a question on the centrality of our salvation through the cross of jesus christ that we might know for sure what is true and what is false because there's lots of false out there a notable musician musical artist michael gungor you probably don't know that name but you might know the song i am a friend of god who he co-wrote with israel houghton stated this about the atonement of Jesus Christ. It is evil and horrific. A certain man by the name of William Paul Young, is that name familiar to you? Wrote this in his latest book, The Lies We Believe About God. Who originated the cross? If God did, then we worship a cosmic abuser who in divine wisdom created a means to torture human beings in the most painful and abhorrent manner. Frankly, it is often this very cruel and monstrous God that the atheists refuse to acknowledge or grant credibility in any sense, and rightly so. Better no God at all than this one. William Paul Young is the author of The Shack, and from his writings, all kinds of evangelical, young evangelicals, are calling God a cosmic child abuser. This is the language within our own movement. Dr. Greg Boyd, pastor of Woodland Hills church in St. Paul, Minnesota, professor at one time at Bethel Seminary has um written a uh, a comment whereby he states that he does not take the Cross of Christ or the, um, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross of Christ as a literal carrying of our sins to the cross. And in so doing, He has made or has is in conflict with the very s- central statement of salvation truth that i hope to be our key verse for this morning first peter 224 that he himself meaning jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed By his wounds, you have been healed. He writes individual sins, guilt, and just punishment were not literally transferred onto Jesus, nor did Jesus literally placate the Father's wrath. And there is a local notable pastor of a large GTA following who I'm not going to name because of our proximity who writes this yes there is wrath displayed in crucifying of Christ but it is ours not God's Now, what that means is that the angry mob at Calvary 2,000 years ago was our substitutionary wrath against Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but I have never been angry at Jesus. But I do know that the Bible teaches, I will show you, that God is angry with us he writes this and we call this of course in theological terminology penal substitutionary atonement you've heard that before in other words at the cross Jesus Christ was our substitute bearing our punishment that our sins might be covered. That's, that's literally what those three words mean penal, substitutionary, atonement. Because atonement, atonement is an Old Testament word translated into English. It's a, it means it, it's the word, uh, the Day of Atonement. You heard that. It's the word in Hebrew, uh, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Really, it should be pronounced kephar. That's the Hebrew way of pronouncing it. Kippers, aren't they fish? So it's not Kippur. It's not Yom Kippur. It's not the day of fish. It's the day of atonement, kafir. And kafir, well, the reason I can remember that easily is because in Hebrew, the, that word atonement, kafir, means our sins are covered. That's how we're cleansed of our sins. That, that's what God does to take our sins out of his sight. This... Popular GTA Evangelical big following preacher writes this I'm not a fan of penal substitutionary atonement And even less of a fan of people preaching penal substitutionary atonement like it is the gospel So as of today in the hearing of my sermon This very popular evangelical preacher with a big following is no longer a fan of Rick Baker. And I'm okay with that. I only want Jesus to be a fan. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go um, on a bit of a journey this morning, but The question of all questions that I want to dig into this morning is this. How can sinful man ever be accepted by a holy God? Is that not the most important question in all the universe? How can sinful man be accepted by a holy God? I I want to present to you this morning how Jesus replaces every other religion. I want to... I hope this morning that that when you leave here, you are so convinced that there is no other possible way to God than Jesus Christ. That there is, it's inconceivable that any other way exists than the cross and the cross as presented in the Bible to take care of your sins to make you right with God. I am passionately concerned That we understand and stop allowing the truth to be eroded. If the cross is pulled down, we have no other access to God. And I'm telling you, it is the devil's work to try and erode the truth or revision the truth about the cross of Jesus Christ. How does the death of Jesus bring salvation to all of his people? There are four terms this morning that you're going to go, Oh no, that sounds so theological. I don't want you to check out. I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to drive it into your heart in a way that you know for sure. Redemption. Reconciliation. Propitiation. Propitiation justification oh is this a seminary theology class no this is the very heart of your relationship with god without redemption reconciliation propitiation justification you and i are lost forever And this is what Jesus Christ has done for us. And in the pulling of the cross, in the tipping of the cross, in the revisioning of these theological realities of reconciliation, of redemption, of propitiation, of justification, in the pulling of these, in the bringing of these down, we will have no message of salvation. So, where are we going? What did we need What did we desperately need? We needed freedom. Uh, By the way, that um, second last song, I mean, all the songs were great, Jordan, but that second last song, the theology in that song, uh, that's fantastic. Who wrote that? Don't tell me Michael Gungor. Who wrote that song? Do you know? Anyway, I, I would encourage the congregation to learn that song know that stuff. That is, um, that is solid, solid stuff. In Galatians 5, verse 1, by the way, we're not put, posting things up. It's not that I won't ever post verses up, but I was in a church that posts all the verses. You know what I noticed in the summer? Nobody's bringing their Bibles. So I'm not promising them I could post verses but I want you to bring your Bibles. You need to see in your own Bible. I want you to be able to mark it and, and underline it and go back and look at it and, and say, that Rick said this, but I want to read it again. I want to read it in context. I want to make sure he's, he's not pulling down the cross. I want to make sure he's telling me the truth. It says in Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Free from what? Freedom from our sins. That's what redemption is all about freedom from our sins as slaves to sin do we realize that what Jesus did at the cross Jesus redeemed us I'm going to explain to you what that is many of you know Jesus redeemed us from the empty way of life rescuing us from this present evil age this shouting and yelling at each other and fighting with each other and 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 threatening each other in parades all over the United States is not going to bring, bring peace it's not going to bring reconciliation it is not going to bring love one for another this is just the evidence of people enslaved to sin And still in slavery, there is no freedom that comes out of these kinds of things. The only freedom that we can have or know comes through Jesus Christ and what he was willing to do for us on the cross of Calvary. He redeemed us. I've told you this illustration before, but let me share with you what they knew when they were understanding the terminology of redemption, when they understood that Jesus Christ came and redeemed them from the slavery to sin, they understood Perhaps better than we understand what this really meant. When countries went to war, when nations went to war, when city states went to war, and there were people dragged off who became prisoners of war. When they took, when the field of wounded, then they went out to the fields and and dragged the wounded off the fields, some of them, their enemies that were still alive, and they took them as prisoners of war. Sometimes they would discover that some of these people were important people in the city-state that they had been fighting. And so they would offer to the city-state that they were at war with an opportunity to buy back these prisoners of war who were important to them. And so city-states would buy back important people who were prisoners of war. That's redemption, We were prisoners of war, prisoners of the war against Satan. Satan had taken us captive, and our sins had made us captive to our sinfulness. Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary bought us back from the slave market of sin and freed us from the captors from being prisoners of war. There was also in, in ancient Greek time, the, the time of the Greeks that moved right up to the teachings of the Old Test- or the New Testament. Uh, they had what, what uh, uh, the ancient scholars called sacral manumission, whereby a slave, note this, a slave uh, could piece together uh, bits of money. Uh, Slaves were obviously not able to make a lot of money But they could collect over years and years from perhaps family or friends or others they could assemble a little bit of money and they could go to their owner and There was a system whereby they could ask their owner to take them to the temple of a god We'll say Apollo and they could purchase their freedom by selling themselves to the god Apollo. And in so doing, their names would be actually carved into the wall of the temple so that if someone later would challenge them on their freedom, they would take them to the wall and the inscription and their name would be written down as free. Now, that's not an exact parallel to ours, but we have the God of heaven who has purchased us at the cross of Calvary and has written our names down in the book of life so that when the enemy of our souls comes and asks us about our freedom we go and we take him to our names that are written in the on the palms of our God and in the book of life and thereby we are declared through the cross of Calvary and our trust in Jesus Christ free we are set free by Jesus Christ that's what redemption means so what should we be doing we should be living as strangers here. We have been set free from this world and the things that enslave it. We have been set free to live a different way. We are no longer, we no longer have to live as slaves to our sinfulness. Oh, listen, my beloved, if you are trapped in your sin, do you not realize that, that in knowing Jesus Christ and in having the power of Christ in your life, he has set you free why do you go back to the old ways of living and, and, and put yourself back into captivity when Christ has set you free? The power of the cross has bought you out of the slave market of slavery, of, of sinfulness, no longer to go back there and live there. I know we still battle slavery for, because our experience, our full experience of redemption is yet to come. But we are able to win this battle through Christ Jesus we can't live as if this is all there is we are living for so much more eternity with the Savior who redeemed us we spent so much upgrading and renovating our things when Christ has come to upgrade and renovate our lives Invest in lives. Invest in your own life through Christ Jesus. Invest in other people's lives. We accumulate so many things. We should be accumulating people and hearts. What Christ has done for us. Secondly, as enemies of God, alienated by our sin, Jesus reconciles us to God by removing our sin when we use this word reconciliation, by the way, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Actually, let's do, first of all, Romans chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. For if, are you there? I hear pages rustling and I love that. I don't want to get jumpy here, this isn't a sword drill. This is important. For if, when, hang on every word, hang on every word of the Bible. There's no extraneous stuff in the Bible. For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, you, listen, look at me now. You can't become a friend of God except through Jesus Christ. Do you understand this? This is when I'm saying that Jesus Christ replaces all religions, I'm not overstating the issue. I am saying that the God of the universe cannot be made your friend outside of Jesus Christ. But praise the Lord. In Christ, we become friends of God. Think about it. We can sing that song. I mean, Houghton must have had more influence. But we, we are a friend of God through Jesus Christ. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled Shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We should be rejoicers. We are in a state of friendship with Almighty God. Listen, I'm sure that you have lots of tough stuff going on in your life. And, and there are a lot of things and there's a lot of heaviness and there's a lot of frustrations and there's a lot of challenges and all of that. But you always get to come back to this one thing. But I'm a friend of God. But I'm a friend of God. And he's a friend of mine. I'm a friend of Almighty God and he's a friend of mine. Why? Because Jesus Christ reconciled us to God. And how did he do that? It was at the cross. What was making us an enemy with God? Our sins. Our sins. And the only way that anyone can become a friend of God is for their sins to be taken care of. And the only way I know in all of the universe for human beings' sins to be taken care of is through the Lamb of God who sacrificed himself in our place, who bore our sins on the cross that we might be reconciled to God. I know of no other way You see when we're talking about the word reconciliation we're talking about the fact that good relations have come to pass after bad relations when you're talking about I I become reconciled to someone it means that something was wrong so to use the word reconcile in the Bible solidifies the point to human beings something is desperately wrong we are born needing to be reconciled to god because sin is real that's why you locked your doors last night in your house didn't you Why would you lock your doors because there's are sinful people who want to get in why do you purchase antiviral programs for your computer shouldn't we all be just be nice and leave each other alone Leave my computer alone I'll leave your computer alone no there's sin and sin has to be dealt with and God is loving but he's not superficial and he's not sentimental and he is hostile toward the things that hurt people and we should be too and the only plan presented in all of the universe to remove our sins is Christ Jesus Second Corinthians chapter five, verses 18 through 20. Just one book over. Romans, then over to, to First Corinthians, then over to Second Corinthians. Eighteen. All this is from God Now Jesus Christ went to the cross to deal with our sins so that the very thing that was causing us to be at enmity with God and God hostile toward us could be taken care of. But it doesn't happen automatically. Jesus Christ went to bear the sins of mankind so that we could be reconciled to God, and therefore Paul calls out and commands us, therefore, the invitation to enter into this relationship, this reconciliation is available, be reconciled to God. Choose Christ Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord. He is calling to you. You cannot passively be reconciled. That's why it says, be reconciled to God. Enter in. Christ has opened up the way. Come to me, all you who are thirsty. Whoever will may come, but you must come and be reconciled to God. Keeping the law cannot reconcile you to God. Animal sacrifices could not reconcile you to God if it for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins But Jesus did So then he gives us who are reconciled The opportunity and the ability and the desire to be reconciled to others It's impossible Listen to me now. It is impossible to enter into reconciliation with Christ and to nurture grudges against your brothers or your sisters. In Matthew 5, because everywhere it talks about us being now ambassadors of Christ as those who are recon taking the message of reconciliation. Not just the message of Jesus' reconciliation, but here's the message we take. If God the Father was willing to give His Son that I might be reconciled to Him and now am reconciled to Him, who are you to withhold reconciliation from my people did Jesus not teach in Matthew chapter 5 verse 23 therefore if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you there's hostility see the whole it's the same picture as God had something against us our sin And now this picture is now on the horizontal, the vertical reconciliation that we enjoy because of Jesus Christ. We did nothing to enjoy this reconciliation. Jesus did it all for us. He took away the thing that was in between us and God, our sins that caused this. And you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there in the front of the altar. First go and be, what's the word? Reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Jesus says, I don't want you to present yourself to me While you have hostility between you and your brother or sister. You are undermining in practice the theological truth of reconciliation. Now what is this something against? By the way, if somebody has something against your righteousness, too bad. That's not what we're talking about here. If somebody has something against your opinion, that's too bad. Apparently, this guy with a big audience and following is going to have something against my opinion today. I'm not going to go and be reconciled to him before I bring my offering to Jesus because that's, that's, not, that's not a legitimate uh, hostility. Because I haven't done, and I have, let me explain this. Because I have not done anything to him. I'm just speaking the truth. Okay? If, on the other hand, you have sinned against a brother or sister, or you have harmed in some way a brother or sister, that has to be reconciled. If you are responsible, that's the point here. If you are responsible for the hostility because of in some way you have sinned or you have in some way harmed your brother or sister, then you have to go and make that right. Choose reconciliation. The third is this. One of the uh, theological truths that is completely under fire right now, and it's beyond me, why, is the concept of the wrath of God. Anybody heard this? Have you been paying attention to this? Um, in, within our circles, there is this movement that wants to present the theology of God as devoid of wrath. He's a God of love. Yes, He is. Our God is love. He's a God of grace. Yes, He is. But if you press that pillow too tight, you are going to smother the fact that He is also a God who is holy, a God who is just, a God who is righteous. the truth of the ma- and the cross if we if we miss this if we pull this memorial down and stop looking at the cross stop gazing at the agony of our Savior we are going to stop recognizing the awfulness of sin we are, going to, we are going to start to soft pedal the seriousness, the heinousness of our treason against God. The cross of Calvary is meant to be horrible. We are to gaze upon our Savior. Agonizing on our behalf to understand, in an emotional way, not just an intellectual way, how angry God is at sin. To even entertain the idea that God is not a God of wrath is to ignore the fact that the wrath of God is mentioned over 580 times in the Old Testament alone. 580 times! How can you read the same Bible we read and suggest that there is no such thing as the wrath of God? It is the cross and hell that prove God's great anger with sin and His justice. Remember, I told you the words were um, redemption and reconciliation. And then I got to a word, propitiation. And you were all going, okay, now we're talking. I think I could understand redemption. I think I could understand reconciliation. But what's this propitiation word? This is the word that's under fire. Because you can read your Bible until you're blue in the face and you're not going to read that word. Well, you might in the King James. I take that back. In 1 John chapter 2, you should be reading it in your Bibles. The newer translations have just taken it as as an atonement of sacrifice. Or sacrifice of atonement. But in 1 John... Chapter 2, for those who suggest that the cross of Calvary had nothing to do with the wrath of God, but it was the wrath of people, this is ridiculous. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the, and by the word, this word right here is, he is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. The same word is used in Romans 3.25. The same word is used in Hebrews 2.17. So by the way, you've got Paul, you've got John using the word propitiation, saying that still doesn't help me. Propitiation, that word means to appease the anger of God. What it means is that when Jesus Christ placed himself on the cross, because people didn't, he went to the cross willingly for us. When Jesus Christ placed himself on the cross for us, he became our propitiation. He became the sacrifice that turned aside the wrath of God from you and I. Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, I hope you understand what your Savior did, absorbed all of the wrath of God against you. Do you can you comprehend this? That God himself, as the Son of God, went to the cross and paid with his own life. To turn aside the wrath of God now um, the scriptures make it abundantly clear that God's anger cannot be put away by human activity all over our world all over our uh, this globe people are trying to appease God in some way with their own behavior their own actions God's anger against the sin of mankind and are you not angry that someone took a van and mowed down 18 people in Spain are you not angry about that there's something wrong with you if you aren't are you not angry with what people are calling each other and doing against each other because we look different are you not angry about that our God is angry about what sin has done to ruin his beautiful universe and he's angry at the agents of that sin And God's wrath remains on all who refuse the offer of salvation. So live large, those of you who know Jesus Christ. Live large. The blessing of God is upon you. Our God, rather than... Now, the, we were once enemies of God. We were once as Paul writes to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, we were objects of wrath. And now, once the fiercest of God's anger was oppressed upon us, and now we have been set free, and now the full face of God's blessing is turned toward us. When we say, may the Lord bless you, we are saying may He turn full face toward you. And we have every right to expect the full face of God on us because of what Christ has done for us at the cross. So live large and enjoy the full blessing of God. He is with you. God is for you now. Finally, at the cross, Jesus paid for our high treason against God in full so that we could be declared righteous and no longer guilty. That's what justification is. Do you have any idea how awesome it is? I I, I hope you do. How awesome it is to go from a state of being under the wrath of God because of your sinfulness to having someone else bear your sins and punishment to a cross of Calvary And then now being a friend of God, no longer an enemy of God, having the full blessing of God and being forgiven forever of your sins. Think about that, what God has done for us. The cross shows that God is just. The brilliance of the cross is this, that our God planned a way before the creation to bring His justice and His mercy together by bringing salvation to humankind. The wages of sin is death. Each of us, we're in a state of eternal punishment. And that is just Because each of us have gone our own way. We have sinned against Almighty God. We have committed high treason against our very creator. The one who gave us breath. We've turned our backs on him. And God had said from the very beginning, if you do that, you will surely die. And so the wages of sin is death. And we all have on us the sentence of death. And so the justice of God is this. It is entirely just for God to follow through with his eternal punishment to those who have sinned against him. In fact, if God didn't, he would not be a just God. You can't make a rule. You can't send hand down a sentence for breaking that rule and then nullify it and still remain just that wouldn't be justice but god in his infinite wisdom found a way made a way by himself to make the cross of calvary the meeting place of justice and mercy. You see, if you only give mercy but, but there's no justice, then there's no justice. If you only do justice, there's no mercy. God brings together a place of justice and mercy. And the only way it could happen is that someone who hadn't sinned and therefore wasn't sentenced to death would die as a substitute in place of so that the justice of God was accomplished by Jesus Christ, the Son of God Himself, taking the punishment, not for Himself, but for us, so that God could re- retain justice. My justice has been, has been accomplished. I have insisted upon the penalty of death. But because Jesus wasn't dying for himself, we actually were punished in Christ so that now by the covering of the cross, that's the word atonement, kafir, our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, it says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. It is only blood that can cover sin. And only the blood of Jesus that can cover sin. Only sinless blood that can cover sin. So that when when God the Father looks at those who are now in Christ, He can be merciful to us because He doesn't see our sins anymore. He sees that we are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ as the same as when they put blood over the, over the, the doorpost. When God sees the blood, he will pass over. Now, b- brothers and sisters, and the possibility that there is someone here this morning that has never come to know Christ, I appeal to all of us and you there is no other way in all of the universe for these necessary things to take place than through Christ Jesus. It's not possible that any other system or any other way could buy us out of the slave market of sin and redeem us. There's no other system, no other religious system, no other person, no other way of doing anything that could reconcile us to to a a God who was hostile toward us because we were enemies of God because of our sin. The sin had to be dealt with. There's no possible way or no possible system or no possible religion that has taken care of the wrath of God, that has propitiated us. And there is no other religion, way, or form, or person who has made it possible for us to be declared righteous as if we had never sinned than the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you know Him, rejoice in Him, serve Him. How important is the cross? And, and push everybody away who's pulling the cross down and push the cross back up and make it stand straight up and don't be embarrassed by the cross don't be ashamed of the cross and don't stop looking at the cross because the cross of Calvary is the centerpiece of our salvation there is no other way for which man or a woman can be saved if you don't know him today rush to him he invites you to come to him our father and our God how important is the atonement it is everything that you O God not because you had to but because you are gracious holy full of mercy just found a way to cover our sins so that sinful people could be accepted by a holy God. Thank you for Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Because of the cross, We are invited to enjoy friendship with God. Because of the cross, we're invited to experience freedom from sin. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, we're invited to enjoy the full-face blessing of God. And because of the cross of Jesus Christ, We're invited to experience guilt-free living because we are forgiven. Friends, if, if you aren't enjoying those things, it's not Jesus' fault. Because they are all yours. A package deal with salvation to be enjoyed every day of your life. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then you're not experiencing those things. But can I call on you this morning to come to Christ who will set you free from your sins, to come to Christ who will bring you into a friendship with God Almighty, who will bring you the full-face blessing of God and forgiveness, come to Christ. He invites you. Whosoever will, may come. And we're going to dismiss the service, but if we can pray for you because you're not experiencing what you should be experiencing, or, or if you want to know, if you want to come to Christ this morning, then our pastors will be here in the front of the church. We'd love to, to speak to you and pray with you this morning, show you how you can come to be a child of the living God. Father, we thank you so much this morning for the cross of Jesus Christ. It's impossible for us in these few moments to even scratch the surface of the incredible essence of what Jesus Christ has done for us. But in this alone, this morning, our minds and hearts are saturated with the goodness of God and the amazement of of your grace to us. And so, God, we thank you. Thank you for the cross of Calvary. We thank you that it was your plan. And it's a good one. It's awesome. We love you in Jesus' name.